there was no help. <sighs> Nobody knew how to look after a, a widow with four kids to make life a little bit easier or have it talk about or so. That just wasn't possible. We have the best, better service now. And uh, I think uh, if you can take something positive out of it, it has brought our family closer together. G'day and welcome. I'm your host, Ollie Lalive. I'd like to thank this episode's sponsor, LAWD. LAWD have been long-time supporters of Humans of Ag. They've come on board as our very first partner back in the beginning. They are the specialists in agribusiness valuations and transactions. And to find out more, you can head to www.lawd.com.au. Froga Bolton-Bosch Emma is a pioneer, a woman filled with grit and determination that has seen her overcome a life full of obstacles. Despite many setbacks, Froga perseveres and her story will connect on so many levels. Froga's story encompasses life as a German migrant in Australia, a wife, a single mother, a farmer, more recently an author and a business owner. Froga, firstly, it's an absolute privilege to chat with you today. Thank you for, for the opportunity. Can I ask, is this the first time you've had a shirt named after you as part of the Antola Ambassador Series? Of course, it's the first time <laughs> and probably the last time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me, on top of all those many lists of, of things you want, what, what was the, the thought and the feelings when you were approached to, yeah, have a shirt named after you and have your story, I suppose, um, Shared. Oh, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm gobsmacked that somebody is interested in that, and and uh, I know my name. You say my name very nicely, but it's not always the case. I hope people who who get it, uh, uh, yeah, they they can handle that. You know, my name. <laughs> oh, that's good, Frog, because my last name's Lalive. It's French origin, and yes. I tell you, I, there's not many people that get it right. So I, I can no, empathise with you. Awesome. Of course not. No, no, no. <laughs> now, I'd love to talk a little bit about uh, your early life. So you, you were born in Germany and in your younger years, you were no stranger to hard work. You, you're the daughter of a farmer. Tell me a little bit yeah. about what your childhood was like. Yeah, my childhood wasn't uh, ideal because my mother died when I was two years old. So I don't even know my mother, which even to this day, it's uh, haunting me a bit. And uh, it's uh, uh, my father, of course, he, he has been in the war, so he was damaged from that. And then losing his wife, which he loved very much, um, uh, there was uh, not a lot of joy in our household. And uh, I didn't do too well at school, so that uh, it didn't do me too well either. And uh, so uh, I think that's made me so strong too. My father did not spoil us at all. If you think uh, because my mother died, uh, no, not not at all. It was just the opposite. And so can you tell me a little bit about what your relationship was like with your father? Because it, when you were younger, you were made to do a lot of manual work and, and work in the paddocks um, alongside him. No, that's that's the problem. He uh, he he went back to bed. 
when we had to work. Oh, wow. He, he, must have been, he must have been so depressed. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. got up late and went back to 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 uh, uh, snooze at, after lunch. No, we, uh, that's, that's a problem. You can work hard, but if the parents would help you, that would make it, uh, can be fun or what, but that was never the case. That was never the case. Never, never, ever. So tell me, as a kid for okay, you what was it that you dreamed of being when when you grew up? What was it that you wanted to be? Oh, look, um, yeah, look, my my occupation as a sort of home home economic teacher was always what I wanted, and I thought if I would have been a a boy, I would have been a, a farmer or a policeman or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think overall I had quite a happy nature. My my sister is two years older and she was more serious than me and did better at school. Um, but overall, I think I had quite a, 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 yeah a happy nature, and that's why I I went on, especially when I was younger, quite okay on with my father. Also, people always said I'm. I I I was like more like my mother than uh, my say my sister. Okay. But overall, he was just uh, had a lot of authority over us, and so we, yeah, we we didn't have a, a, a very very close relationship. No. And and tell me because you've mentioned there that yeah. It, you mentioned you said if you were a, a male, you would have gone and, and become a policeman or a farmer. Is it mm-hmm. quite funny? I suppose looking back on your career and your life and seeing, yeah, how how farming was intertwined the whole way throughout for you. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it was it was wonderful because also with my job, what I learned, I, it fitted really really well to being a farmer's wife because we had to look after young people and you have to cook and wash and clean and and it it all it all fitted really really well and i always loved it i i i still like to cook and and look after my family i have them every sunday for breakfast more most breakfast or lunch or dinner so we at least meet once a week for for one of my kids who and and grandkids or partners who are still in Kananara. Oh, that's incredibly special. I'm very jealous oh. of you because my family is all over Australia and, and we don't get to do that. Yeah, I'm very lucky in that way. Not not all my kids. Mine. I mean, one, my oldest daughter lives in Melbourne and I even couldn't now go to her wedding or my granddaughter's wedding because of COVID. But overall... We we try to come together. It it, but it, you have to do something. You know, it's not coming from nothing. And <laughs> I need to good be good organized. Still, still, I'm I'm still working and and prepare and, and get shopping for Sunday breakfast or whatever it is. And but I do that for nearly thirty five years now. Yeah, wow, that's so special. I um, yeah, it is. Oh, uh, it, it is, and. And my daughter, who lives in in Victoria, she's always jealous and would love to be there too. Yeah. 
Wow, what a special part of the world. Mm. You've you've lived in a couple of different places. And so early on when, when you were married to Frederick, your your husband, you you headed he took you to Rhodesia where he began farming. Yeah. Tell me yeah. what was it like in Rhodesia? Oh, it was very nice. Look, we escaped a winter, which was which was nice, but it it was the hottest year in fifty years and because there were sanctions because of Ian Smith, who went away from the Commonwealth Bank, uh, Commonwealth, not the uh, he said Commonwealth Bank, quatsch. We had no luxury. We had not even a fan, and it was so hot. And when we left, it started, because it's, it's higher than here in Australia, and it, it, when we left in June, it was so cold, we went with our clothes into bed. <laughs> wow. It was very... <laughs> Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank, and I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported? Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low-cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade, or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. <laughs> and so the lure of Australia, and particularly Kununara in the northwest, were, did it just look like a good challenge or was it something that Frederick just really wanted to go after? How, how did you end up uh, in Kununara? Look, he, by, by then we, we had our, after three miscarriage, our son was nine years between my number two and, and then our Peter nine years in between and we we just had him so he he went with friends to australia to perth and heard about kananara flew there and fell in love because it's very very similar to uh, rhodesia zimbabwe it's just we haven't got the the animals here but the surroundings how it looks it's very similar and he just loved it he he loved the tropics he was a very slim man and he always wanted a challenge he he studied in in germany and i think his professor was very keen to do something new and so he took that on board and he just loved it and so when he came back he talked me into into coming with him and it was only for two years and that's what i say now i we only came for two years and we are here now for 40 years (laughs) And and I've heard uh, it's it's been documented and it was part of your book that arriving into Kununurra it was nearly a very very quick trip. You you were coming in and oh. you looked out the plane window. Can you tell me what was running through your head? Oh there? my yeah, my my thought was not an intelligent soul can be here. It is so far away from the from Perth. It's three thousand kilometer away and. 
this is, I mean, by, by now we have nearly 7,000 people here, but when we came here, we only had three. And a lot of things you couldn't get now, it has become better. We haven't got it in abundance, but you get nearly everything here, uh, what you need, you know? Yeah. But, oh, no, it was not easy. And we had a very, very good life in Germany. We had a great farm. We had a new house. We had a new baby. We had everything. And he still wanted to, yeah, to do something new. He wanted to not only inherit money, he wanted to do something of his own. Wow, and an incredible legacy that your family has built uh, up there now. Yeah. yeah. Can you yeah. can you tell me? Uh, I've never been to Kununurra, so can you tell me a little bit about the town and and about the people that yeah call it home today? Yeah, we we have lots of water here, which is very unusual in Australia. We have the biggest uh, man-made lake in the southern hemisphere, so that's why we do irrigation, everything what we do is irrigated. Um, there are hills around which are beautiful. The bungle bungles are not that far away. It, it is very nice. And because in the wet season it is hot here and that makes, we are always on the ground, you know. we Now we have lots of people coming in, but when it's warmer, you uh, are much more quiet, and it brings you back to to earth. So we can't be, uh, we don't feel too spoiled here. Yeah, and and so you decided the two years, as you said, has turned into forty. But in those early days, yeah. uh, your husband Frederick he he went after setting up a brand new farming operation. Yeah, yeah, which was difficult because farming is different here than it is in Germany. He. He was a very good farmer, very accurate, but it's still different here. So, so different, so different. And I think he, uh, my son always says now, Fritz, my oldest, who is still here on the farm, he always said, oh, father came here uh, 30 years too early or what. It is so much better. And he tried to get a manager to help him uh, yeah, and understand the Australian way, but uh, Nobody wanted to come to Kananara. And and is it a different story now? How do you go with getting people to, to work in the area? Yeah, it, it took me also with my shop about two years or even more to get a jeweler here. Uh, I had to buy his whole shop. He, he was from down south, south of uh, Perth, and his shop wasn't going that well. He was maybe a bit old style. But I had to buy his whole shop with everything, with oh, lots of crap too. And, and so he was here for a while. But overall, I look after my people. They're my family during the day. So you you want to to have a good relationship. And that's why I keep my staff now. But it, it, in the beginning, it was very difficult. Yeah. And... You mentioned earlier on that so back in Germany, your your father had had some challenges of his own. But uh, for your, for your husband Frederick as well, he struggled, um, which ultimately yeah, he was he he was dyslexic, my husband, and unfortunately, my two sons are the same. But by then, we knew it. But when he was, he would be this year eighty years, 
um, uh, people didn't know, and and his grandfather put so much pressure on on him to to be successful, and they only knew that he wasn't dumb because he was so good in math, you know. But um, reading and writing was very difficult, and it was never diagnosed what it really was. Mm. And and, uh, and I guess it was never even talked about either. No, later in life, yes, yeah. Uh, all the all the letters he did write, you did at that time. Still, they'd write letters also by hand. Um, I had to correct because his spelling wasn't that good. Yeah, but it. I, I'm I'm sure it didn't uh, help him to be have more self esteem than he he had for his whole life. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't imagine just how how challenging it would be, and particularly yeah. in yeah. in a whole new area and a new environment and and a new community yeah. trying to. Yeah, 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 and and he he was willing and he worked very very hard, but he worked too too much. Yeah, and ultimately, um, it, it got to the point where you ended up taking over and and running the farm. Uh, as well as raising the kids as well? Oh, uh, the farm. We, we still had some people working for us, with us, and they kept it going. And I know that when my brother-in-law and the cousin came, we talked about my future. Uh, and, of course, they wanted to get me back to Germany. But uh, And I, I don't blame them because, I mean, by then I had four kids and uh, they all wanted to look after their their nephews too, um, but I I didn't need to do that much uh, work after and after half a year and a, a bit less. We we de- I decided no we we sell the tractors we lease the land just to to keep the land for the family and I I just got uh, a shire and water rates and that's all I I got for the land. But that was half a year after. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you did have a successful harvest that year, didn't you? Well, look, we, it even was a year before that Fulbright so did very well with Davis Watermelon and there was, say, no watermelons in in Perth at all. I still remember in our office that there was a, you, but then you had faxes that there was, um, um, he uh, inquired about it, how many watermelons are, are at the market in Perth, and there was none, absolutely none. So he, he did really quite well, but he couldn't see that. Uh, that was half a year before he died. He couldn't see that anymore, I think. And we we first, when we came, we all had still our German farm, and he had leased it to uh, a neighbor, but... Uh, after two years, uh, he had to sell it because the money was. Yeah, he ran out of money here. What we had borrowed, we had, we had to borrow money to do this whole adventure. Entola Trading was established in 2015. Their founder, Alicia McClarmont from Far North Queensland, set about creating work shirts slightly differently. Made from Australian cotton, every single shirt has a story, and they are tied to the most inquisitive and fascinating people. 
that rural Australia has to offer. You can check out their whole range at www.entolatrading.com. And for every shirt that's sold as part of this series, Entola will be donating $2 to the Ronald McDonald House in Brisbane. To find out more, you can check out the show notes below. Did you ever consider moving back to Germany did, or, or was the future for your family always in Australia? Oh, of course. No, of course. Um, I, I thought of that heavily and I'm still homesick a bit even for today, you know. Mm. Uh, but my kids were so happy here and I didn't want to uh, unroot them again. You know, they were here for three and a half years and they 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 left loved it here. That's that's and my son Fritz still says. I mean, uh, we 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 have been on a documentary from somebody from Germany who was an actor and did live in Australia too. His name was Blackie Fuchsberger, and he had um, always called it Terra Australis, and and he filmed about our family for one of his. And, and that's when Fritz said, oh, thank you, Mom, that you didn't go go back to Germany. And also because it was a suicide and my father was so cross with, with Friedrich that he did what he did, that uh, I didn't want to him, uh, that people talk bad about him and uh, complain about him, what he did. Yeah, it's, a, it's an incredibly difficult conversation and, and it's, one that unfortunately in rural Australia we're we're more at risk than than others in in other areas of Australia and other areas of the world as well when it comes to mental mm. health and and suicide. Yeah, yeah. Look, no, but also there was no help. By, by then we we had only three doctors here in Kanana, and nobody knew how to look after a, a widow with four kids to make life a little bit easier or have a talk about or so that just wasn't possible we have the best better service now and uh, i think uh, if you can take something positive out of it it has brought our family closer together it's an incredible trait Froker, being able to find yeah. the, the positive in life because otherwise it can get incredibly difficult yeah yeah no i i, I did i did I, I mean when when my husband died i I did not know my future. I did not know my future. And my first thing was that I was scared. What will happen if I die too? And who? And I wanted the kids to stay in Australia. Who could look after my kids? That first thing I did, I I I, I asked for a tetanus shot, so I wouldn't die of tetanus. <laughs> it's the Can little things it? sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but that was my biggest fear. My kids, because I grew up so many years without a mother, and I, and and the mother is different to a father. If a father dies, quite often it's the money side is so so horrible. But the mother can at least give them love, and that's what I wanted. But I was concerned, what would happen if? And luckily, it hasn't happened. Yeah. No, well, and I couldn't imagine what my life would be like without my mum, for sure. Oh, it's, 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 uh, look, uh, when I go to Germany, I go always to his, his, her grave, which is holy for me. It's, please, oh, yeah, it's, 
and I, 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 we couldn't talk about it a lot because everybody started crying, my grandmother, my father. So we didn't know that much about my mother, which, which is not right. We talk about our disease, uh, not daily, but uh, uh, very often. It's very important. You need to keep them in your life and, and share memories. Of course, it's then only memories. Yeah, and and remember those, the times where they brought a smile to your face yeah. or they made you laugh, and it's it's always yeah. those warm moments yeah. that can yeah. be incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to I want to take a bit of a tangent, and because see, you've you've been had had difficult circumstances throughout your life, and then you still had this incredible drive and energy, and and looking for opportunity and. You mentioned that you you wanted to start a business, and that's where the opportunity in the diamond industry came up. Mm. Was it was it specifically an industry you were looking at, or, or was it a chance no, encounter? Not it's just a chance because I have a friend who has uh, had with her husband a jewelry, a good running jewelry shop in Paris, and um, but the. Uh, they these p- a couple split up and she needed money so I could buy myself into that and I'm still partner in in Brinkhouse Jewelers in in Perth but that made an interest and I mean a lot of women are love jewelry you know and and uh, because I always wanted to do something and I have also have to say that my uh, second husband Robert. Never put it made it difficult for me. I mean, some some husbands maybe would have, but he always was behind me and helped me when if it was necessary in the beginning. Now I, it's all fine. Yeah, it's incredible. And I, and I'd love to know from a this is a personal question from me, but when it comes to like chasing your dreams and and going after something that you've always wanted to do, did did you ever feel like time was working against you and and that you just needed to try things straight away or were you able to be quite patient and yeah no i'm not patient <laughs> I, I i'm not patient i i i take some risk and i think that's what i learned from from Friday too because look he had uh, everything on on his feet and came here to to try this so i i i didn't mind to try a risk to do have a risk, and I said in the beginning, if my shop doesn't work, I swallow my pride and close the shop and try something else. That that was my mantra. Yeah, but it just went from strength to strength, and yeah, we we have done very well. We have done very well. It's incredible, and and I think uh, I'd seen a quote from you, and it was around. You you'd rather have tried and failed than to wonder yeah. and leave things. To- oh no! Even even if you fail, but you have to try. But otherwise, when you are on your deathbed and say, "I wish I would have," uh, yeah, I I say that I wish I would have um, uh, learned to ride a horse, for example. I'm too old now for that. Um, but Any, you have possible. To- no, 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 no! I will break my bones. No, thank you. And my my oldest daughter, uh, Margaret, had uh, quite a few horses. And no, it's too dangerous. It's too dangerous. But but um, uh, but uh, overall, 
I had a good life. I I couldn't say that if I would die tomorrow. I, I still with all my horrible things and the worst part of course was that I lost my son for suicide too. And that's one reason why I wanted the book that people know if maybe the father did it or an uncle or a friend, it's more acceptable to do it too. But it's also you can get the genes for the possibility to try yeah, to take your own life. It's in the family and it is in, in our family, unfortunately. A cousin of Peter did it too successfully, unfortunately. It's terrible to hear, Froker. Yeah, but that's why I, I did the book. And by the way, I I did not write the book myself. I because I'm not a writer and my English is not good enough and I had Sue Smethurst um, and we have met a few times and phoned and faxed and email, email but no, it's now email um, a few times and she did a great job. She did a great job. And I've heard that there's quite a story behind the first, first uh, diamond that you sold. It was at your house and, and you had someone come around. Can you can you tell me a little bit more about that first time? Oh yeah, look, it, it really started so small. I, I, I had it on our front veranda and uh, I had five rings and a few chains and I know jewellery, it was very, very simple and uh, uh, yeah, it, it went quite well. That was after um, people went to the Argyle mine and and had no possibility to get something, and then they could come to me. The the um, they were flown to the mine and came with the bus to our house. We live eight k's out of town. That's how it really started. And then we had some exhibitions with uh, our purse shop, and that was very successful. And so, yeah, we we started this. I started this. Yeah. You've you've had some incredible people who have been seen uh, with your diamonds. For for instance, when yeah. Baz Luhrmann was in Australia filming yeah. the movie Australia, yeah. there was yeah. Nicole Kidman was seen in them. Nicole was there with with also with Keith the second time, and the it was so the first time she came in, she came with her bodyguard. The second time, not because they felt. People left them alone here in Kanana, and the same was also. She, she only lived two houses away from where Bez was, where because Bez stayed in our house. And uh, in the beginning, she was running uh, uh, with a bodyguard, and in the end, she did do her morning routine on her own. So it shows that they must have felt really comfortable here. Yeah, they really. Felt like they were part of the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I just hear it. I don't know, but if they um, wanted a coffee or so, they they didn't push themselves to the front. They waited in line to get served. And, and people uh, like that, you know. Yeah, but we had really, I always say that we had Hollywood here because of, uh, yeah, uh, we had everything here. It's incredible. Do you- mm. Have you got a favourite occasion or a favourite moment that the diamonds have have allowed? Ooh, ooh, that's, that's, 
or a couple? <laughs> That's a difficult question. Look, you always get a little kick out of it if you can sell a diamond. Uh, and But people ask me now for a better price, and I always say, I think it doesn't answer your question that much, but I always say to them, okay, I can give you this and this, but if I can't smile at you anymore, I can't do it. And people understand that. But no, we, we, I, I have the best, I think I've sold was for over half a million a pink diamond. Wow. Yeah. Jeez, that's, uh, so many. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there will be more expensive now. That's a few years ago. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, it, it will be because the mine now has closed. It is also that the intense colors, they only come or came from the Argyle mine. And, uh, and why did I also start the shop and why the name is involved, Kimberly Fine Diamond? Because the mine is only one and a half hours away from us by, with, with, uh, a car, you know, so it's really so close by. And it, at one stage, it was the biggest diamond mine in the world. So uh, we, we we could be and we can be so, so proud of it. And the, the expo in Brisbane 88 was very good for Argyle because they started to exhibit there and people saved their money, even if it was $1,000 and that's still the same we try to get uh, always only agar diamonds wow it's still a possibility but who knows how long this will go we we have a wonderful stock because i'm 30 years in business and whenever i had the money i bought pink diamonds we have very good stock maybe uh maybe the best in australia and so you've mentioned the more than thirty years that you've you've had the shop and and the stock. When when it came to doing the book and looking back and recounting your journey and your life, were you were you quite surprised thinking back to some of the achievements and accomplishments you've had? For sure, hundred percent, hundred percent. How how well it has gone. Uh, and I mean, look, I'm. I was, when we started, uh, uh, my youngest daughter was just a year. I was still breastfeeding. <laughs> and I had no idea how to run a shop. I was just, just a home economic teacher and a farmer's wife. <laughs> but you can learn a lot and you need to, but you need to put your energy into it and, and love. And I still love it, what I do. And I'm 74 this year. It's incredible that, that, yeah, the, the passion and the love that can come through even after. Yeah, you need to, you need to. And because, maybe because I I struggled at school, maybe I'm a bit dyslexic too. <laughs> uh, that's why I had the drive and I think I inherited that from my mother and my grandmother. I hear they, they were quite determined too. My father was not so determined, no. Well, you've achieved an incredible amount, and and I know that from from all accounts that the Kimberley area. But I'm still, still down to earth. Honestly, it doesn't go to my head. Not at all. Not at all. Just be nice to people and smile, and yeah, yeah. I'd love to know, and it's something that I ask everyone on the podcast, and 
I say if if you got the chance to go to a high school tomorrow and you got to give some advice to the students and it can be around living in rural Australia or working in agriculture, but probably more so just some life advice. You, what would you say to those students who are about to finish school? Yeah, first they, they need to finish school. That I find that very important. Even some of my grandkids have gone, haven't done that yet. <laughs> but it's very important and follow your dreams. And But you need to put the effort into it. You, It doesn't fall into your lap. You need to work for it. But follow your dreams 100%. Very important. Absolutely. And don't give up. Don't give up. Don't never give up. Yeah, I think when it comes to, well, you're a walking example of it. You're still incredibly passionate about what you do today. And you've gone after that dream as hard as it may have been at times and, and turned it into success. I'm, and I'm a Christian, and I'm sure the Lord helped me a bit too. So, yeah, after all my tragedy, that it's all going well, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, it's been incredible chatting with you today and, and just getting to know your story because you you have achieved so much in your time. Despite setbacks, you've continued to pro- propel forward, and, and I'm really excited to have been given the chance to chat with you today. No, well, thank you. Thank you, Olive, for asking me questions and I'm not sure if I answered all what you wanted to hear but that's me (laughs) no you are absolutely fine I think what is fascinating about Frauker is that despite so many setbacks she's filled with grit and determination whether it was the role of being a mother and, and having to take over the role of running the farm nothing stopped her and And she always continued to put her kids first and give them the best opportunity that she could. I think my key takeaways from it is there's nothing that can take the place of hard work. That there's always an opportunity to look on the brighter side of life and see the good things in even some of the darkest situations. I think also what was highlighted as Frauka started to talk about when Hollywood came to Kununurra, was just the power of community that regional Australia has. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Hollywood celebrity or just the local person uh, who has been part of the town for 30 years. You're welcomed as one, and as long as you're treating other people the way you want to be treated, it's no different. Can't wait to join you next week. Stay safe, stay sane, and look after yourselves. <laughs>